0: Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, we are gonna get into the Word today. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter four. Um, I have something that, um, and we're just gonna touch briefly on this. I know we've got some time, uh, uh, lagging on some time here, but uh, I was really praying and feeling burden this summer, Lord, what do you want to do with Reliance this summer? And uh, just was in this time of praying and, and talking with the Lord, and I felt like this, it was tension, but it was good tension, um, this burden in my heart where the Lord was saying, we need to go back to some foundations at Reliance. So we're going to spend the summer where we're going to go over foundations, making sure that we know what we believe and why we believe it. Amen, church? It's important that we know what we believe and why we believe it. And the reason is, is there's gonna come a time where someone's gonna ask you about your faith. Someone's gonna ask you why you believe in Jesus. And I wanna be able to have this group of men and women be able to articulate what it is that would be tenets of the faith that are non-negotiables in Christ, amen? Like I believe this is important, and I'll tell you why this is really important. I think this is why I've like had this uh, over the last two months. I've just really been praying with the Lord, and I'm feeling this burden in my heart for our church family. And I think it's because of the growth that we've experienced over the last couple of years, where we've got a, a, a men and women coming in that mature in their faith. You grew up in the church, like you you know the Lord. We've got also a big group of men and women coming in. You've just now encountered Jesus, and we've got people who are going. I'm still learning the ropes, right? And so I feel like across the board, we've got this spectrum from from those that are brand new in Christ, those that mature in Christ, we've got different streams from how you grew up in Christ, and I really feel like it's important that we lay down some foundations of what we believe and why we believe, the non-negotiables, amen? It's good to brush up on those. And so we're going to go through in June, and we're going to start laying foundations, tenets of the faith of why we believe what we believe and and i feel maybe this weight because as a pastor shepherd who gets to lead uh, here along with other amazing pastors and shepherds and leaders and teachers i feel this weight because there's going to be a day where i stand before the lord and the day that i stand before the lord he's not going to ask me how big of crowds could we get in the building when i stand before the lord he's going to say did you preach my word fervently Did you help people grow spiritually and mature in their faith? So I'm so concerned, I guess in my own heart, just selfishly, I'm so concerned that as a church, we're not stagnant in growth because we think, look what's happening, that we're not stagnant in spiritual growth. I have this burning in my heart to go, I want you to be able to walk the streets and somebody goes, Tell me a reason why you believe what you believe, and you can just rattle off the things that Jesus has done in your life according to his word. Amen? So this is what we're going to be getting into in the summertime, so I just wanted to kind of give you a quick word on this today. I labeled today cultivating growth and maturity because I love the word cultivating. Now, I will say this. You guys know in life that growth is important. Everything in life is, is, is built on growth. You, you start a business, it's built on growth. You, you're born, you, you need to grow in life. And in fact, it's interesting that, that if you have a child or if you've ever had this happen where you felt like your child wasn't growing, like, it causes concern in your life. You seek out specialists. You go to doctors. You find out, how come my, how come my kid isn't, isn't growing? And you find out what needs to be done. Yet in the Christian faith at times, we think that stunted growth is just normal. And we just don't do anything with it. We just, we're like, it's just the way it is. It's just, I'm not really growing, but I'm not really, I'm not really decreasing either. I'm, I'm telling you, when we've hit a stagnant place in our life with Christ, we're dying. And I just believe that scripture, and you're going to see it today, is chocked full of the word telling us, do not grow stagnant and do not think that stunted growth in the eyes of the Lord is okay. It's time to grow in maturity as believers. At whatever level you're at, it's time to grow as believers. Believers, and so we see this with our kids. I I can attest to this that most, even little kids, they've got a longing to grow in their life. They can't wait to grow up. They they say things like, "When I grow up." They've got a mindset that they're not going to stay little forever. My little Trinity, she's our youngest, five years removed from the older ones who think they know it all now. My little Trinity's eight years old, and she she's growing up. I still think she's my baby, but she's growing up, and she's asking me questions. She's like. Daddy, can you, can you tell me why, why you chose mommy to marry her? And I'm like, oh, I could give you a long list, baby. And she's like, Daddy, what was your first dates like? And I was like, oh, this is really cute. She's asking me. And then finally I started thinking, Mom, why is she asking me these questions? I said, baby, why are you asking me these questions? She goes, because I really like this boy in my class. <laughs> and I think that I might marry him. And I'm like, oh, really? What's his name? Zaheet. I will break Zaheet. I will break him. <laughs> and this is how... Like she's growing up, like things that she never talked about those things before. And I'm like, how do you know that he likes you? He hit me. And I'm like, well, he is not mature, all right? You hit him back straight in the face. No, I didn't tell it. But this is, this is the maturity that I'm talking about. Like our, they're, they're, it, they're growing up. They're, they're, it's in their DNA to not stay small forever. And then they get to their teenagers, years. We've talked about this before in here. They hit their teenage years and they think they're all grown up. And they think that they know it all, right? Only to realize down the road, oh my gosh, Jacob talked about this a little bit last week. I don't know it all. I've got so much more to learn. I think it's funny, I've talked with many ladies in their beginning years of of, of their dating relationships and premarital counseling and I think it's funny that ladies will talk about, "I, I really felt like I found my prince charming only to realize he acts like he's 16, right? Like he's in this perpetual adolescent stage. Is he ever gonna grow up? I don't know, <laughs> right? I just I don't know. But there's this longing in our heart, it's time to grow up, it's time to mature, it's time to mature. And and I just see maturity is so important in life. But my question to you is: do you see maturity as important in your faith? Do you see growth as important? In your faith, there's a definition for grow, and the definition for grow is to progress to maturity, to germinate, to develop. And I use the word in the title, cultivate, because I like the the definition of cultivate. To cultivate is to prepare, to till up, to develop, to loosen, to break up the soil for growth and development to happen. The word cultivation is a garden principle where there's planting, watering, tending to the soil so that one day there will be a harvest. And so really my question today is simply this. Are we cultivating our heart so that the word that the Lord is planting in us will actually grow and produce something? Or... Are we just filling our lives with whatever we get from time to time, kind of snacking on the things of God, not really concerned with spiritual growth? One of those will lead to life. One of those will lead to death. You see, Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12 Hosea is going through this difficult time. The Lord gives him a word and he says, break up your fallow ground. It's wild ground. Your your fallow ground is wild ground, hardened ground. Break up your fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord. If there's something hardened or wild in your life, it's time to till that thing, break that thing up. It's time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. This is what's happening when we're getting ready to till up our hearts. God wants to move inside of your life, but he's seeing a place of spirituality in your life where there's an immaturity and you're just going, I just don't think I wanna grow. I just think I'm good where I'm at. And so this cultivating is a big deal. Anybody grow up as a farmer in here? Any any farmers? Anybody grow up like living on a farm? Okay, okay, so handfuls of you guys. You know that a farmer doesn't get to walk out on their porch in the morning just be like, Those fields are going to plant themselves today, right? That field, that's just, just, it's going to pop up in rows. That corn is just somehow going to miraculously pop up in rows. It's just going to happen. Praise the Lord, I don't have to touch it. We know that a farmer has to go in and put hours and hours and hours tilling up, breaking up the ground, getting the plot ready to be planted. Then the farmer's got to come through and plant it in rows, fertilize it, take care of it, put tender care into it, pray for rain, and then he knows that if he does those things, there will be a harvest. I'm wondering if in our Christian life we sometimes are acting like the guy who sits back going, those rows are gonna plant themselves. Believing that we don't have to put effort into this thing that we call the Christian life. L-l-l-listen, listen to what the word is gonna call us to when it comes to this. Scripture is all about this expectation that we're growing. Look what he says, 1 Peter 2 2. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may I say grow. Grow up into salvation. Second Peter three eighteen. But grow everybody said grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, Paul's going to tell us in verse 14, be no longer children, but grow up in Christ. Second Thessalonians 1.3, the Thessalonian believers were growing exceedingly in their faith. Philippians 1.9, Paul's going to say, he prayed for their love to grow and abound more and more. First Corinthians 13.11, Paul's going to say, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I Became a man, he says, I put away my childish things. In Colossians 2 7, Paul's gonna say, Let your roots grow down into him, let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught there is an indication in scripture that you and I are in this perpetual deal in our life, in our spiritual life, where we are called to grow. Not be stagnant, not just sit there and just be like, I think I'm good, I've reached the pinnacle, my crop is good in my heart, but there's an indication in scripture where there's this continuous growth that's supposed to take place in our life. Now, there's two things I really quickly wanna cover today. What is not spiritual growth then and what is spiritual growth? What would add and help you in your spiritual growth? Something we've shared over the years is there's a misconception of what spiritual growth really is all about. We've got an idea of what growth is about and I think it's a misconception in church life. Number one misconception of spiritual growth is it's not always related to the time that you've been a Christian. You're like, man, I was born in the church spanked on the front row, born in the church, therefore I'm a mature believer. That does not make you a mature believer. Please hear my heart in this. It's not based on the fact that you were born in the church, that you've grown up in the church. You could have grown up in the church and know very little bit spiritually in your life. And the same token is I've seen believers come in, get radically transformed by the Lord, hungry for the Word of God, studying the Word. And they may be fairly newer to their faith, but they're growing like crazy spiritually with what the Lord is putting into their heart. And so it's not based on this time evidence of how long you've been a believer. I think that's a misconception. Number two, spiritual growth isn't only about knowledge, but what you do with that knowledge. Listen, listen, this is an important one. The book of James, he's going to say, do not merely be listeners of the word, but doers of the word. Do what it says. We can go after knowledge. We talk about this a lot. 1 Corinthians uh, 8.1 says that knowledge puffs up. I can go and try to gain or uh, garner tons of knowledge about the word of the Lord, but if all I've got is knowledge and none of my knowledge is put into action, I am not spiritually mature, I've got a bunch of head knowledge, but it does not make me a mature believer. When I was growing up, I went to uh, uh, two semesters of seminary, (laughs) and then I dropped out. Okay, so... Um, but I would hang out with all of these pastors who were these seminary guys, and they, I know that they love the Lord, but they would start sharing all this deep, deep knowledge, and they would use all of these big Christian words like justification and sanctification, and they would use eschatology and Christology and hermeneutics, and I'm literally sitting there going, don't sound like an idiot, Aaron, act like you know what you're talking about, Right? Because they had all of this knowledge. But the more that we talked about some of those things, it didn't necessarily change how I knew that the Lord loved me. (laughs) And so all of those big words, which are good words and great for theology and growing and learning, if they're not put into practice of how does a high Christology transform your life, it means that Jesus is the center of everything. And if I don't talk about how he's the center of everything, just because I have the knowledge, if I don't put it into practice, it does nothing. And so you've got all of this knowledge, but without putting it into practice, what what good is it? And then there's one more that I just wanna say that I think is a misconception, spiritual growth isn't solely tied to how many events you're active in in the church. Look, we have a lot of people who are like, man, here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna join three Bible studies and three committees, and I'm telling you, I'm spiritually mature. And I'm telling you, no, you're not. Spiritual maturity doesn't mean that I'm a part of 10 different things in the life of the church and somehow that puts me on a level where I'm growing in Jesus. Yes and amen, get involved. Go to Bible studies and, and serve and, and be a part of those things. But if it's just for namesake, if I'm just doing it so that I feel better about myself, I'm missing that that's not what spiritual maturity is. And, I, and I'll show you why I believe this to be true. Jesus is gonna say in Matthew 7, Here's what he's going to say. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not join the prophecy team? He's going to say, in your name, did we not drive out demons? He's going to say, we joined the deliverance ministry team. Lord, did we not do many miracles? We joined the miracle team in the church. We prophesied and we were on the prophecy team. We were on the miracle team. We were on the deliverance team. And this is what the Lord is going to say. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me you evil doers. And so activity for the Lord doesn't always mean maturity in the Lord. Come on church, amen. It's something much more than that. It's deeper seated. It's taking the word of God and it's knowing him, to be known by him and to know him. So If this is some misconceptions, then what then is maturity in the life of the believer? And how do we begin to build that and grow in that? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This was our theme verse when, when we started Reliance five years ago. When we started Reliance 5 years ago, Ephesians 4:11 became like who we wanted to be, what we wanted to center on because there was something about maturity and the body of Christ partnered in this. We've shared this many times with you. I'm going to read it again. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Everybody in here say I do the work to equip God's people to do his work, and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son. Look, so this is gonna happen until you and I are unified and we've got knowledge of Jesus that's beyond just a surfacey level. Knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, Immature, uh, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Come on. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way. Growing in every way. There's nothing outside of this right here. It's not like here's my Jesus life, but then here's my Aaron life over here. We will grow in every way to be more and more like Christ, who is the head of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Come on, amen? Let me, let, me, let me tell you just real quickly, I know you know this, I don't think that you do this, I believe you're here because you're hungry for the Lord, but there are many times what happens is we base our own spiritual maturity on how well the pastor's preaching a word. In other words, we come to church, we go, fill me up, pastor, with the word that you're giving me, and somehow that's going to be my maturity for the week, right? And I'm telling you, if this hour and a half time frame is the, revolves around what your spiritual maturity is, you are missing out on what it means to look like in spiritual maturity in Christ's eyes. If this hour and a half time frame is feed me the word, give me the food, I'll hang on that. We talk about this a lot. I'll hang on that all week long. We are missing out. Come on, church. Amen. And so here's what Paul is saying. There's much more, much more than just coming, listening to a sermon and being like, I, I feel good about myself now. There's so much more. And so there's a growth that has to take place. I was listening to a guy, and he was giving a great analogy on on how we grow in spiritual maturity. And he uses the word grow, G-R-O-W, and he breaks this down. And so grow is G is grounded. We're going to talk about that. Um, R is relationship. O is obstacles that are opportunities. And W is the word. So real quickly, we're going to go through that. First one, how do we grow in spiritual maternity? G, we have to be grounded. Everybody say grounded. We have to be grounded in our faith on the right foundation, and the right foundation is Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to beat this thing because this is a foundation. We're going to talk about it this summer. He says, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 3.10, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Now let me just tell you, church, that there are things and teachings and doctrines that are coming out that are adding things to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and, we've talked about that before, there are doctrines that are coming out saying, Jesus is good, but if you sprinkle this in there as well, you'll be better. And so Paul is giving a warning here going, if you want to grow in maturity, Jesus must be the center of your life. And I'm telling you right here, I, I, this is this, this hopefully revelation for somebody in here. Maybe you came to Jesus because he healed you. Yes and amen. Praise the Lord for that. Maybe you came to Jesus uh, because you experienced a, a miracle in your life. Yes and amen to that. Maybe you came to Jesus because he provided something for you. Yes and amen to that. But if the only reason you're following Jesus is because he did a miracle or because he provided for you or because he healed you, you're missing the whole of who Jesus is. Because what happens when you don't see a miracle or you don't see the provision? Will you stop believing? You see, this is the problem, is that Jesus is the miracle worker and the healer and the provider, but he's much more than that. He is Lord and Savior overall. Whether or not you and I get what we want to get, or whether or not you and I have the things that we want to have, it does not change the fact that he is still the center of everything and holds everything together. Amen? Amen. This is an important foundation if we want to grow in our maturity with Christ. Now, I'm just going to burst somebody's bubble in here. You are not the center of the universe. Does that hurt? Did that sting? It stung me when I wrote it. You, 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 you and I are not the center of the universe, and his word is going to tell us that over and over and over and over again. Our famous one, Psalm 23, he's going to tell us, the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody's like, oh, good, I've got a shepherd. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, I love it when he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. Oh, those still waters, those are the best, Right. Like he gets, gets me into righteousness. It's like all of the language in the moment makes it seem like, Lord, you kind you of think highly of me. Like I'm the center of the universe. And then he tells you at the end of that why he lays you down in green pastures. And why he puts you beside still waters. He tells you why he shepherds you. He says he does these things for his name's sake. He does it for his glory. He does it for his namesake. And then he's gonna go through and he's gonna talk about that endlessly throughout the word. He's doing it for his renown and his name. When you and I are filled with the joy of the Lord, it's to glorify him. So he's leading us beside the still waters. He's lying us down in green pastures, not so that we can say, look how amazing I am, but that you and I can cry out, look how amazing he is. He's gonna say it over and over. You were created for his glory. You were called, uh, he called Israel for his glory. God rescued Israel out of Egypt for his glory. He raised up Pharaoh to show that he has power, that the Lord has power, and that we would glorify his name. He, he, He says that God spared Israel in the wilderness for the glory of his name. He says, I drove out the armies before you, and I'm gonna drive them out again for the glory of my name. New Testament, he's gonna say, you're gonna do good works so that people will glorify my name. He says, you're gonna pray so that my father will be glorified Jesus goes I'm gonna suffer so that my father will be glorified in my suffering it's a big deal and it's so big that he's gonna take the simplest thing you guys remember this one whether you eat or drink do it to the glory of the Lord he's gonna go the most mundane tasks should show my glory how in the world do I eat cocoa puffs and show the glory of the Lord right it's like he's going whatever you do how is it bringing me glory that's his desire. It's foundational for us. It's how we grow in Christ. We have to know that we're grounded in Jesus. Number 2. Oh wow. Number 2. Whew. Okay, number 2 relationships. Real quick. Real quick, relationships. Growth requires relationships. You need community. Ephesians 4 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Look what he says. Somebody underline this it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Look, we can't grow healthy and full of love if we're isolated because the body was to help the other parts grow. Somebody say amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I need you right now. Somebody make the Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Don't do that, that's ridiculous. (laughs) A healthy body of Christ is a body of Christ that's in community together. The only way you fully reach maturity is to know that you need the other parts of the body to come and help you grow. Ah, I wish I had more time on that one. O, G-R-O, O is obstacles. You need obstacles that are opportunities to grow in your life. You need resistance. Jacob shared this verse, man, and and I loved it last week. James one, two through four says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing L- listen when the book of acts was challenged and tested and gripped when the book of acts was really tested that's when god moved the most We've got a brother that we get to talk with that does work in China. Over the years when the Chinese church got to come out from hiding and the government was a little bit more allowance uh, of what was going on, it said that they began to see numbers begin to decline. But when the government put pressure on them and began to crush them and rip their buildings down and they had to go back underground again, that's when they saw the church explode again. I don't know why, just the way God works, amen? Resistance and obstacles do something in your life. It's easy to say hallelujah, yes, and amen when things are good, but when things are bad, is it still hallelujah, yes, and amen? Because when things are good, it's easy to know where your faith is. When things are difficult, it's the true test of your faith. Obstacles help shape our life to know where we're at. And then finally, for Grow, G R O W is the word. This is it. Second Peter says, in verse 318, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says two things, grow in grace and knowledge. First of all, we grow in grace. When you grow in grace, it's your understanding that you're accepted by God, not because of what you did, not because of the way you perform. You're growing in grace, knowing that it's about what Jesus did. But they didn't stop there. They didn't say just, hey, get grace, and then just live your life. He says, grow in grace, yes and amen. It's not about me, it's not about what I've done, it's not about my performance, it's not about my striving, it's about what he's done. So I'm gonna grow in grace. But then he says a second part, and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, who is our savior, Jesus Christ. We also have to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. What was he like? What did he do? How did he act? How did he respond? So that when my marriage is struggling, I go, Jesus, what would you do? So that when the guy in my workplace is barking down my ear, I just want to hammer down on him. I'm like, Lord, what do I do? How do I do it? So now because I'm growing in the knowledge of Jesus and not just the grace of Jesus, I'm gonna know how to respond and react when things come in my life. This is a sign of maturity as we grow. (sighs) Okay. I, I just I would close out with this. Growth is it's not optional. This isn't a thing where we can just go, yeah, yeah, good word. I'll 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 think about that. Either we believe Scripture or we don't. And Scripture will say: if we're stagnant, we're dying. So what do I want? I'll tell you what I want. I'll just be real honest with you. As, As somebody who gets to be a leader in this house. I want this church to be fervent to grow in, in their life with Christ. Knowing that all of us are in this turmoil and struggle and we're doing our thing and there's days where I feel like I'm ascending the hill of the Lord and there are many days where I'm like, I just ascended and now I'm on a steep backslide. A- amen? But it's in that valley moment that I'm going to come around my relationships and you're going to be like, Aaron, let's go. What are you learning in the valley? I'm like, I'm learning not to be stupid. So let's get up and let's do this thing together. So we need that relationship with one another. So here's my challenge to you. This is it right here. Like this summer, I'm praying that we wouldn't take the summer off from the Lord. Look, I've been around church life my whole life. It is easy to go, oh, it's vacation. Summer vacation, I don't have to do nearly as much as I had had to do during the school year. I'm asking, would you take this summer and would you go to an intense discipleship school of Jesus? Get involved in a house church, a Bible study. Get involved in a group where you're growing in Christ together. Get around relationships. They're going to build you up, speak life into you, get your word out. Dust it off and say, this summer, man, I'm going to go through the word. Not just so that I can make it through it. I mean, I'm going to stop. I'm going to look at every phrase. I'm going to ask, Lord, what are you speaking to me in that moment? Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.